Hey everyone, welcome to the Silicon Alley Podcast. I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich, and of course, your host of the Silicon Alley Podcast. On today's episode, I have Doc Williams from Brand Factory, Inc. He started the company a few years ago and has just absolutely been crushing it. He's been using something called the Gary V Content Model 2.0 that he created, and it's how you can create high-quality content without having a 30-person team like Gary Vaynerchuk. We get into the strategy, but also tactics of how you could actually implement this today with 15 minutes of content. We create an example company, and he walks through exactly how that new business would grow, scale, and what he would do to be successful from a content and marketing perspective. Really, really impressive guy. Doc has been in digital marketing for over 10 years, worked with a wide number of companies from ESPN to uh, VaynerMedia to also be CTO and CIO in a number of different startups. Um, Doc's a really, really impressive guy, and you're just going to absolutely love this conversation. So without further ado, here is the Silicon Alley Podcast with Doc Williams. Doc, welcome to the Silicon Alley Podcast. Super excited to have you on and uh, sit down with us today. Good times. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'm super excited, Doc, because you not only are an entrepreneur yourself, but you also help other business owners, entrepreneurs get their ideas out there and create just amazing products. So I'm super excited. You've got a really interesting background from working with ESPN and VaynerMedia and doing all kinds of cool things. So really excited to, to have you on and hear a little bit more about your story. Good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think it will help some, some people. So um, I'm excited to see uh, well, I just want to talk to you and see how I can help people. So you tell me where you want me to go. Yeah, absolutely, Doc. Why don't we start at the beginning? So you have been essentially an entrepreneur since you were really young, right? You've uh, kind of had that entrepreneurial tendency. Talk to us a little bit about that, like growing up. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, I started my first business around seven or eight, probably. Uh, that was, a, I think this is every entrepreneur, probably like 80. It was a candy store. Shocker. Um, so it was dungeon trading cards in my parents' basement. Uh, they, I had my own business cards. Uh, I yeah, had my own shop and everything. And then that turned into a trading card business where I was hustling Pokemon cards, started selling that a lot. Uh, and then it went into selling bootleg anime at school a lot. And then, uh, and then I became a wedding DJ at 12. <laughs> Yeah, so just natural projection, you know, progression there. Already had like four or five different business ideas that you've run by the time that you're 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and the thing was like, I never really thought about them as businesses. I was just like, oh, I'm really interested in this. I bet I could make money off of this. Like it just always, always moved that fast. It always yeah. moved that fast. So um, yeah, that's pretty much that's. And then from there, it just, it just jumped. It just yeah. jumped from there. Do you think that's a key trait of entrepreneurs is having that, that deep interest in something? Or at least, I mean, especially as young entrepreneurs, but. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a deep interest. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, they had to start a business. Yeah, that's possible. There's a lot of entrepreneurs like that. But I think someone just being really interested in trying to experience it and bring other people involved. I think that is a trait for entrepreneurs. That's a trait of a lot of uh startups and just founders in general they're just obsessed with something and then they just go full tilt into it and that's what happens gotcha no that makes sense yeah you've got to have that that interest and in, and find something that you're actually you know excited about um it's hard to hard to start a business if you're not <laughs> yeah yeah and it's tough like i think a lot of people and we'll probably get into i mean there's just so many fail so many parts of failure in business uh it doesn't feel like failure is if you're obsessed with it or really interested in a subject though, it just feels like, Oh, it's something else on to the next one. It doesn't feel like failure. So I think it, it has to be something you're, you're very, very interested in at least for you to be the main engine for that company. And then, you know, if you're investing or you're, you know, you're doing something else, you don't have to be that invested, right? You're just putting the right pieces around the person to succeed. But for your entity to succeed, I really think you have to be at that level. Gotcha. No, it makes a lot of sense. So if it doesn't feel like failure, what does it feel like? If, if from the outside looking in, you see someone, you know, mess up or do certain things and it looks like failure, what does it feel like on the inside if you're really involved as, as an entrepreneur? It almost feels like um, it's, just, it's just life. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I mean, like nothing goes perfect. I, I just feel like it's like, oh man, we'll get through this. It just feels like 
It just feels like a speed bump. It doesn't feel like it's the end of the world. I mean, I think that also depends on personality, but I also think most entrepreneurs, they probably, they, right, they have co-founders. Ones that are extremely negative, I don't, I've never seen, and I could be wrong, but personally, I've never seen a really highly pessimistic founder that can be by themselves. Usually it's like a technical founder or some other entity really good at operations and they're balancing the dreamer that is the founder. Yeah. So I really think there's got to be this insane amount of optimism or adaptability that it just doesn't feel bad. Like it okay. doesn't feel bad. So, I mean, I can, my company, all of my friends, like everything that I've seen, like it's just because they pivoted and were able to move through time and space so much better is why they succeeded. They weren't smarter or better funded or whatever. It was just like, they understood, okay, this is a setback. Let's pivot. Let's do it. And I mean, most of every single company I've been a part of or seen, I mean, usually you're at a breaking point where you're just dead broke, either taking on debt or something like that. And then you're just past, you're getting through it. So I really think it's that toughness breaking through it and, uh, and just being okay with it. No. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You've got to have that drive, that persistence to get through the hard times. Going back to 12-year-old DJ Doc, <laughs> uh, laying down beats or, uh, you know, tracks at, uh, at oh, yeah. weddings. I, oh, yeah. And I have my turntables. I bought, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I bought 12. Listen, so I had 33. So I had real vinyl. Everyone okay. digital and all this stuff. This was, you know, early 2000s. But no, I, I wanted everything because I knew the pers- I knew the perception if you had turntables that it was taking it serious. So I used to log, I used to lug all of my vinyl. And then if you couldn't get on vinyl, I had to have a dual CD player at 12. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So how did that talk to you about that, that progression? So you're at 12 years old DJing. If I read right correctly, I think somewhere that you started actually at 14 ended up in clubs and yeah. <laughs> DJing in clubs as a 14 year old, which doesn't sound legal, but, uh, it's, you know, it's totally not, but you know, <laughs> I, I always tell people like, if anyone sees like pictures of me when I was a child, like, although like, I honestly, like, if you see pictures from like 12 you to 18 to 20, like I pretty much look exactly the same. Like it's very, like I was wearing a shirt the other day and I was wearing it I had that shirt in high school and I like, I just have been the same build. I've pretty much looked exactly the same <laughs> since I was 12. So when I was, when I was there, I had a mustache and I, people trusted me. I could, I could carry myself. So yeah. So they trusted me with weddings and then uh, DJing, I, I used to be in battles. So that's a certain style of turntablism where you would scratch okay. and you actually go head to head. And um, because I could, you know, carry myself, I was allowed to be around, straight up adults and the competitions were in clubs. And I didn't really, I didn't tell my parents they were there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I would just get dropped off or I'd be with older ones that we were in this crew and, um, and I would just end up in these clubs competing. And the thing is, the, I was there at the club at four or five in the afternoon. So they would always let me in because I was yeah. with the rest of the crew. So like, they, I would never get carded. And I, once you're in the club, like, and you're on stage, no bouncer is going to be like, hey, like, come over here. Like, let me see your ID. Like, it, n- it never happened. So yeah, it just, it always just worked out. <laughs> well, that's got to be an experience for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah. So- it was, it was a weird time. And then just yeah. a trivia, if you want to know, there was one of the guys that I actually uh, DJed with years later, he was about five years older than me. He ended up working with Kanye and go on tour and just crazy stuff. Um, but it was just a weird time. Like it, it was just a weird yeah. time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you still have the turntables? Do you still, uh, still yeah. DJ every now and then or? Yeah. You know what? I, I usually listen, I listen to a lot of lo-fi and like lounge okay. music and I just like, I just like chilling and doing my own. I love creating playlists and that kind of just is another way of expression, but I love, I love controlling atmosphere and making people feel good. And I yeah. think that really does go through every other business. Like it helps you like, being a wedding DJ and just doing things in clubs or any kind of emceeing, it helps you to read a room really well, really quickly. And it allows you to pivot because everything's live. There's no do-overs. You're doing it live. And so that's helped me in my marketing, but that also helped when I was in startups and even pitching VCs. Like 
I don't think people understand it's so much emotional and people and VCs getting a good vibe from you. They don't really yeah. care about anything else. They just want to know the team's talented. And uh, I think that's really, I think that's what, what's carried me through all these years. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know that a lot of people would connect, you know, DJing and seeing reading a room to pitching VCs and marketing, but that's a, that's a really important skill that you point out, you point out. So yeah, we're, t- talk to me about that next progression. So then you end up, I think if I'm not mistaken, you end up in the fitness industry is your next real sort of like yeah. business that you open. Like what is that? How does that transition go? Yeah. So by the time I was 18, I like, I wasn't going to go to traditional school. Like I have to tell you, like, basically like I almost failed out of high school. Like I just didn't care. It's not that I like, so some people, I almost, okay. So in 10th grade, I opened my eBay store and I was hustling toys online. And so I was in programming classes, but I like, I was running my eBay store. So by the time I was 18, my parents are like, okay, you're going to have to like, you're going to have to get a job if something doesn't fall back. Right. So yeah. they're like, well, you know, you can make quick money, but like, you need to have something just in case, which I don't have a problem with. And I encourage people to do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go into massage therapy school. So two weeks out of high school, go to massage therapy school. The entire economy crashes the, like in 2008. <laughs> and my parents are like, what are you going to do? I was like, okay, I'll go to physical therapy assistant school, do that. And then I ended up throughout that and through high school, I was really into CrossFit and doing that. And so when I was, when I had patients and I, I was in a clinic, I was like, I'm going to take all my side money and I'm going to just open my own gym. So I opened my first gym when I was 23 and then pretty much went down that path. And then I realized I hate brick and mortar businesses and I hate managing people and being at the place every day. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and that basically led me to pivot in the fitness industry, which then allowed everything to happen like how I en- ended up here today. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think that's something that you mentioned as well earlier when you talk about failure, learning what you don't like, right? So you start off brick and mortar business and realize, yes, this isn't fun. This isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you look at it, I mean, I've always been talking about it. See, the problem was too, oh my goodness. There, when you're dealing with different industries, there's so much a methodology that everyone tells you you have to fit into. Mm-hmm. And like fitness is just one of them. And I think I was yelling about this 10 years ago, but like it's coming to the forefront. Like look at yeah. brick and mortar businesses with gyms now. If you were putting all of your time, sweat and tears into your brick and mortar, you can't even operate right now, right? In most yeah. cities. And that was one of the things I always thought, I was like, there's gotta be a better way. And the, the dirty truth is kind of like in fitness and being in the entertainment industry for years, like most people are not what they seem, which I guess maybe that's every industry, but like it is so built on image. So many people look successful in, in, in the entity of fitness and wellness and yeah. they're really broke. So, so many times people are like, yeah, 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 come over here follow me. And the way they're actually making money is only by teaching other people to make money. It's not because they're a successful gym. It's just that horrible cycle. You know what I'm saying? Like I teach how I teach. um, I'm a marketer because I teach people how to market. It's like, well, if you only do that, like, (laughs) okay, yeah, that's a skill, but that's very, that's, that's too much. I think that's as, you know, just a snakes, snakes uh, oil salesman. I just don't think it's right. Uh, I mean, I do have courses, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying if that's your only thing that you can do, it's a very, very slippery slope. So going that forward with that brick and mortar, uh, I realized that I liked being in fitness. I just didn't Mm want to be on, uh, in person. And the guy, his name's Jay. We, we, we worked together almost exclusively. He filmed my first commercial and I knew that I wanted to do more. And the Arnold's, uh, the Arnold sports festival was coming up. Yeah. They were doing a reality show with on it and all these other people. And so I was like, I need to get on the show. I need you to, you know, do a trailer of me. And then I ended up on that reality show and then being on that reality show. Um, I got to know people from on it and then from there pivoted and started working for ESPN. So it just like one thing after another. That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy how those, those uh, connections will end up leading you. Like you, have someone that shoots your commercial and then end up in the media business, which is, which is crazy. There's things that you just don't see happen that will happen. So you, you're, you're in marketing now. Like talk to me, doc, about what you do now today. 
Um, like what is the, what is the focus of the business? You've, you've, I mean, there's a laundry list of other businesses that we could hit on and I think we could end up, you know, filling a few hours worth of podcast, just talking about those, but talk to me about what you do today. And, um, yeah. Um, so basically in a nutshell, brand factory Inc allows your business to show up, to be a professional in your industry and allow you to have the authority to move through your industry the way you want to. Okay. So that takes on a lot of different things that takes on brand personas, building a personality of a brand, positioning the marketing funnel, the automation, and also making sure you're having a innovative PR strategy for you to win with your positioning of your brand. So because there's so many moving parts, we start with, okay, let's back up. Mm-hmm. How do you want to be perceived? So the analogy that we usually talk about what Brand Factory does is it's a very different thing if we'll talk about house parties. It's a very different thing mm-hmm. when you just go to a house party and no one knows you and you just walk through the door and you're kind of awkward and you're just trying to meet people. It's a very tight situation. And most people, that's what their marketing looks like online. People don't know you. People are, you're trying to get into weird, awkward conversations. You're trying to balance your wine and talk to people and try to do your 30 second pitch, which is weird. Versus if you come through the door, the host of the party stops the music. They tell everyone to be quiet and they're like, listen, this is Doc. This is what he does. If you need help with X, go find him. All right, have a great evening. You're going to have a totally different experience. And you probably had some form of both of those experiences in your life, right? At parties versus you being not invited or being invited, but not knowing anyone versus when someone yells your name across the room, people make the introduction and then you go. So that's what we do in uh, the online space. We find out what your best quality is, your birth, your best, your best personality traits. Yeah. And then we infuse that story in how you're going to show up online. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely been in those situations where you walk into an awkward house party and you're like, man, I don't know anyone. I just can't wait till this thing's over versus like, you know, people know you or come up to you and say, Hey, I, I wanted to talk to you. So no, it's a yeah. good analogy, doc. I like that. Now, yeah. how do you do that online? Right? Cause there's, there's so much noise. There's so much noise. There's so many, you know, everyone's trying to differentiate themselves. Like what makes Brand Factory's process, like what is your process so that you can help people stand above that noise and have that experience? Yeah, so this is basically over years and working with multiple companies and everything. So we start with everything with a personality test. So it's like a Myers-Briggs for business. And okay. we, I've, I've developed it over just so many um, years of doing one-on-one interviews that would take about an hour and a half. So basically we used to do an hour and a half and do a deep dive. Who are you? Personality, your goals and everything. So basically this is infused into three minutes and this accuracy is more in the 90 percentile that we've done it. And we'll talk about like the conversion of that. But basically um, we do the personality test and everyone fits into three categories of how they show up online. Okay. And they either are the showman where the lights are on them and they can sell anything. They love connecting, blah, blah, blah. Then you have one that is the teacher where they can be in front of crowds, but it's very, uh, it's very calculating. It's precision because they're teaching and Mm -hmm. they are in their flow when people interact with them about a certain subject and they're on it. Okay. The third one is an explorer where it's more ones that love going deep on a subject, but they don't necessarily want to be engaging where I'm going to go on this trip in the mountains. I'm going to be in the Himalayas. I'm going to write my journal and come back to you with this amazing story. And I can present that to you, but I don't want to be talking to you when I'm on this journey. I want to be deep into my work and then I'll come back and talk to you. Yeah. And everyone has a personality type that is more leaning towards those three. And then it's combining that personality type. And then we purposefully keep testing subjects and topics based on that personality type 
to see how you're going to win online. That's it. Wow. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, you've got to, when I think about that, when you frame folks online in those three categories, I can definitely immediately think of folks that kind of fit in those, those three different genres, yeah. so to speak. And, and sometimes, and I always say like some people like, but they're different. They've pivoted. Yes, I understand. But they, they stuck very closely to one and it's almost like school. There's a major and a minor. You have a major personality type and then you can hit a minor that kind of reflects the others, but you always go back into the other, right? So if, even if you look at like, everyone talks about like Tim Ferriss, right? And everyone's like, oh, it's podcast, right? But that was kind of his second act. How yeah. did he get like, he was an explorer and he did experiments on himself. And he was known for that. He would go away, learn something super, super deep, and then he would present it to you. Yeah. Then he worked in doing interviews. And then that was, I feel like that's his second act. That's what he's moved into. And that's brought him a different audience. But if you look at when people knew Tim and he was different in the market, he was this crazy guy that could go super deep and experiment on himself. Yeah. You know? And so... We take that and that's phase one. We do a personality test. And then what we do is we go into the Gary V content model 2.0. Now, how do we create that? Well, it's based on Gary's philosophy on the content model, which yeah. is doing pillar content. But what we kept finding was many people, instead of understanding what Gary was trying to do, there was two problems with that. Number one, people would imitate Gary and not be innovative and understand their own strengths they would imitate all of what Gary's doing. They would yeah. have the same social media, the timers, the bar, the cursive of their own name. That's imitating. But you know what people would say? Oh, you're doing what Gary V is doing. So every single time they're associating Gary V with that technique, which is great for Gary's brand, it's not great for you because it looks like you're only copying. You can, yeah. and what we use a lot of elements from Gary, but understand, use the philosophy, not emulating exactly his same things. So there was that. The second part was a lot of people were trying to do the volume of Gary, but Gary has 30 people on team Gary V. <laughs> yeah. You don't have 30 people. So what I found was a lot of people would go live for a couple of weeks. They would burn out and they're like, this isn't sustainable. I can't do this. And then they don't show up anymore online. So the Gary Vee Content Model 2.0, this is when we worked with VaynerMedia. Yeah. And we, me and my same partner that we always been together, um, <laughs> when we created content, we were doing that. We, there were, before Gary put out the content model, what Gary puts out, it is very sound. But that's what sh people should be doing in the industry for years, right? You yeah. take a longer form content. Think about any TV show. They, they film one show. Then they run trailers for that show. Then they do commercial spots for that show. That's what you should be doing online. So with the 2.0, what we said is you still need pillar content. But before you start pillar content, you need to have the type of content you're creating in purpose before you start doing pillar content. Type meaning are you, what format of the show are you doing? Yeah. Q&A? Are you doing a day in the life? You need to understand. But instead of you just picking the type, did anyone tell you that they even cared about that type? <laughs> like you have to take content. Like that's the problem. It's so hard. Sometimes you're like, I feel, I want to do this. Let's do it. I love podcasting. Let's do it. Do people want to hear you? Do you even like talking to people? Like maybe yeah. podcasting might not be for you. Right. So it's understanding that. And then have people asked this before, have people asked for that type of content, the style that you're going to give. And number two is the purpose. Do you want to go for like impact? Do you want to go for authority or brand awareness? You need to be very focused on when you release this pillar content out of these three choices, what is your main goal? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I want everything. I want brand awareness. I want authority in my space. I want impact. I'm like, that's why you're failing because you're going so wide and not deep and just going for one thing. Yeah. And so we pick purpose and type. And then we say, we now know what type of pillar content you need to create. And we've demonstrated it with multiple brands. We did it with VaynerMedia. With one or two people, we can create more than 30 pieces of content yourself, self-produced in less than 15 minutes a day and understanding how to replicate and scale and understand how to pivot and reposition that content. And that's what 
goes into our marketing strategy. Wow. That's, uh, that's insane. 15 minutes and you can do 30 pieces of, of quality content that's around a purpose that serves your brand. Yep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can walk it through it. I can, uh, I can do it if you want. I can talk it through it. It's up to yeah. you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to hear it if you want to talk through it. Yeah. I mean, that'd so, be incredibly valuable for, for the audience. And you know, personally, I'd, I'd love to hear what you're doing. Yeah. No, this, so I think it, it's, it's, so 15 minutes, the reason I need 15 minutes and it, it's gotta be long, 15 minutes is enough long form to, to do this. Okay. Because if you're, if you're talking, if you're doing inter- interacting, that's enough content that if you strip down the SRT and strip down the audio file, I can replicate it and create tons of stuff, but it's also enough for written. So let's break this down. Let's, um, if you want, I can give me an example and I'm going to do it. Anything. It can be anything. And we're going to go through this. Um, so just like any brand, any company or something like you that, can, or? um, you can, it's two things. You can, I can tell you how to do it via a brand that's trying to think about this, or we can do with a personality of, you can tell me, Hey, I'm just getting started. I have this personality. What should I do? And I can do it from scratch. Yeah. Well, let's do just getting started because most of the folks that listen to this podcast are either early in their entrepreneurial journey or they want to, um, or doing side hustle type stuff. So let's start with that personality. Um, and I guess someone that's, um, you said one of the three types. So teacher, explorer, showman, or. Yeah. Or even I'll, I'll plug it in. You just tell me the person and then I'll plug in everything from that. Yeah. Someone that's just starting off. Maybe they're, they're starting an e-commerce business because they're, and they're, they don't know where to go, but they want to get into e-commerce. Okay, cool. So if I'm doing that, um, what experience do they have? If they have no experience, do they want to document the experience or how do they get into the e-commerce business? Is it a very specific type of e-commerce? For example, are you selling um, high heel heels, but they look like tennis shoes, right? And you're doing it for female entrepreneurs that are working at tech startups. Like it's got to be what kind of e-commerce, but either you have a really interesting story and how you landed in that industry and you're okay. talking about that, or you're like, listen, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just lost my job. Uh, I'm, I'm really broke right now and I need to do e-commerce and I'm just starting out. Either way, we need to be really clear that this is the narrative that you want to go. Okay? okay. The next step is, okay, so you're talking about that. Have you ever put out content before? Okay. Um, uh, and you know what? Do you mind just feeding yeah. me just yeah, answers? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so have you ever yeah. done content before? Uh, I mean, just on my personal social media, posting stuff on Instagram, food cool. pictures, awesome. clothes that I'm wearing. Yeah. And, and so when you do it for Instagram, are you like, do you actually, do you like it and enjoy it? Or do people actually talk back to you on that platform? Uh, sometimes it's usually close friends that'll respond. Um, you know, my Instagram's private, so I haven't, I haven't really grown it. it. Um, and it's been more just, you know, posting a little bit about my life to keep my friends and family up to date. Good times. And do you like being on Instagram or do you, are you in other communities? Are you in subreddits and core groups? Where do you have the most interaction? What platform? Uh, probably, probably Instagram. And then second would be Facebook. Um, you know, those are the two primary platforms and more I like to consume content on Instagram stories, okay, all influencers, cool. bloggers, all that. Okay, good times. And are you in Facebook groups at all or not really? Uh, not really. Um, I looked at a few, but not really in any right now. Okay, cool. So um, uh, number one, so you're on this journey. Is there anything like why you started in this space or is it you just need money and you're just going to try to start doing this like e-commerce thing? Yeah. So really the, uh, I've always liked designing things. So I want to put my designs on t-shirts on products and see them, you know, go out there and grow. So it's a little bit of like, I always enjoy shopping and finding, you know, unique finds Good times. and, uh, want to be able to like produce stuff that I want to see. Cause I don't see the type of designs that I'd like on, you know, graphic tees and things like that. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. And have you ever shown people like on Instagram stories, your unique uh, designs or even you shopping and finding unique things? Have you ever done that on IG stories or anything? Uh, no, haven't done that. 
Okay, cool. Um, does any one of your friends and family, like, do they know your passion? Do they talk about like, oh, hey, like you're always at these stores or at these thrift shops finding these things? Does your, yeah. your audience, okay, your family knows? Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. At, at work, I always get comments about, oh, like, where'd you get this? Or where'd you buy that? And how'd you find these deals? Okay, awesome. Cool. Um, so this is what I'd probably do. Um, I would first on IGTV show you just shopping at stores and you how you go through the process of hunting for designs and also you talking about like what you find and how that okay. then inspires you to like do different designs on shirts and everything what you're going to do is just 10 minutes you're going to go to your goodwill or wherever you're going to go and you're just going to record yourself doing that that's all you're going to do okay and then you're going to find uh five people five of your families and then five coworkers you're going to put them into groups on IG and you're going to send them. You're, everyone knows why they're in their groups because it's just you showing your private hauls from Goodwill and you're going to drop all of your adventures in those groups. Okay. All right. And then from there, I just find out like, what do they comment on? Like, so it's great. The reason I'm telling you to put them in IG groups, uh, they're number one, it's smaller. It's mm -hmm. people are going to be a lot more freer to talk and they're everyone that supports you. So you're going to find out and all you're going to do this, by the way, you're going to do this every single day, right? So okay. if you don't have time to go to the store or, you know, obviously, you know, being in the home, number one, you're just going to record yourself finding, going on, uh, let go. You're going to go on Facebook communities, like wherever you want to go shopping online, you're still going to record yourself doing the same exact action. Okay. Um, and then afterwards, what you're going to do is after you do this 10 times, you're going to look at all the comments and what I need you to do on a Google sheet, you're going to put different columns of what people are commenting about, what they're saying, and then also what kind of content you're putting out. Is it a certain type of pattern? Are you looking for shirts? Are you looking for jeans? What are they looking at? What are they commenting on most? Okay. Then afterwards, you have certain designs, you're going to crowdsource what design your audience likes. And you're only going to ship it if you can get 25 people to buy the shirts or invest into the shirt. So you're going to actually do the mock-up because you probably use uh, some print on demand, probably. Yep. Uh, so Printful, whatever, you're going to get on there. You're going to do the print. You're going to, again, in the Instagram group, I don't want you to put this. We're not going to worry about you going public on your Instagram page. You're just going to sell it in the group. You're going to get 25 people to commit and buy, and buy it pre-order before you sell your first shirt. Wow. Okay. Then okay. afterwards you do the 25. Uh, I want you to then have everyone, you're going to give them a special uh, merch or swag. Everyone that takes a picture with your shirt on when it arrives at their house. Uh, every single one. And you're going to try to get every 25. If you got 25 people that buy, you got 20 people, 20 testimonials, 20 pictures. And then um, as all this is going, because this is only taking you, I mean, you're already shopping online. It's only taking you 15 yeah. minutes, so it's not a big deal. Um, what also you're going to do is you are going to create a list for me of 45 influencers that you love their style and you would love to collaborate. And those 45 people, you're going to tier them out to be tier A, tier B, tier, B, uh, tier C, and tier D. And you're going to write me a letter of each person, each why you would love to collaborate with all those people. After you're done doing your first uh, run of t-shirts and all the testimonials, you're going to create a landing page with the t-shirt and the buy it now. And all the 20 people that just made social media posts, you're going to embed it on that one page. Then I'm going to go to all of the influencers in tier C and tier B and talk about what you've been doing and adventure that you've been doing. You're going to send them an unlisted YouTube video of just one of the shopping experiences. You're going to tell them why you contacted them and say you would really like to work with their brand because your style and your dedicated audience would love to be in front of them. And you're, you wanted to do it an exclusive uh, merch drop with them. And you're okay. going to get five influencers that are going to collaborate with you. And you're going to do one merch drop every month with five different influencers. And that just took you to five months. Wow. <laughs> You've done this before, right, Doc? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's just like, it's 15 minutes a day. People shop all the time online. They don't document it. It's like, I don't know. And it's like, if you put it yeah. into this huge island, if you put this into the ecosystem of Instagram, 
ain't nobody care about you doing nothing on IGTV. First of all, no one watches ITV, IGTV like that. But your audience does, and your audience cares about you. You have family and friends. And if you yeah. say, well, I don't have the family support, I don't have colleagues, well, that's why you find a Facebook group. That's why you find a subreddit. That's why you find a core group. You find people that love you. You're going to find it. Slack channels. You go there and you try to improve people's lives and you mm. document what you're doing and people will support that if you're consistent and if you have purposeful movements and that's how you change the game. I love it, Doc. That was, uh, that was incredible. Thanks for, thanks for walking through that example. Um, no yeah. So I want to understand, um, you know, you've done all these entrepreneurial things what are you, what are your targets? What are your goals? When you think about future doc, like what you want to accomplish, like what drives you, what motivates you? Yeah. Um, mainly just impact and understanding that the, the main thing, I do not have this background, right? I did not go into marketing. I did not go to business school, whatever, but the world is changing so fast. And I yeah. really think that most schools are always going to play ch catch up. Because by the time they have the curriculum, by the time they make it an institution in a degree, the world's pivoted. Like think about just with COVID and how many businesses have pivoted to stay relevant. And I'm really big on teaching skills that are transferable and allowing people to adapt and move and have a, a breath of work and have a toolkit to know whatever's going to happen. I got you. They might not be the richest. They not, yeah. might not be making eight figures, but I want to equip people to be enough that they feel confident that even if they lose their job or their business falls or whatever, they can mm -hmm. still be successful. So I'm really big on equipping people with transferable skills and business models to succeed. So not just motivating and saying like, let's do it, learn and build a business. Yeah. It's like an actionable plan. So my Movement patterns are I want to create digestible micro content for people to level up their skills and abilities. And, you know, although I do marketing and I work with brands, really, that's just my portfolio portfolio to show people like, yeah, I can do this with any type of brand. But my passion is creating an institution or a methodology for people to learn skills very quickly. Because okay. I feel like um, I didn't know how to do that very well. Now, my mom was excellent and she actually, because I have severe dyslexia, she actually gave me the framework how to do very different things so I could learn quicker in school. But yeah. I really only had two teachers in school that ever, I really ever felt like they cared nor or taught me the way I needed to do. Um, so I blend tactile and all these other cues to teach people how to level up with their skills and to, to crush it. That's it. No. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That underlining form of how do you get people to quickly learn things and, and actually giving them a roadmap and something that they can, they can actually apply. Yeah. Like, like right now I'm experimenting with micro, uh, micro courses via text because so many people never finish, you know, e-courses how many times, right? Everyone's like, yeah. oh, I bought that Udemy course for 21 bucks. I'm like, did you open it? Nah, I'll do it next year. You're in quarantine and you ain't doing it. Like, you're never <laughs> going to do it. Like, so yeah. I'm working on easy wins, doing micro content for you, for people just to either learn a skill or learn something that's relevant in their industry very quickly and then be able to execute and try to do things. So yeah, that's what I'm working on. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. That's unique. I don't know. I don't know many folks, anyone that's really doing that. So Definitely, definitely fits into our very instant sort of generation and instant uh, short attention spans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So doc, what advice would you give someone who wanted to follow in your footsteps? They're starting either, either it's a, you know, an agency or maybe they're just starting a business like we just talked about. Like what, what advice would you give to someone like that? That's just starting out. You just got to be, um, you have to have endurance. Like you just got to be used to mm -hmm. feeling uncomfortable. And um, I, I think people underestimate like how powerful that is, but you really have to learn to suffer. 
you really okay. like, I hate, <laughs> like you have to be on you have to i know that's like it's words that people do not want to hear like, like it's yeah. like this sounds terrible i don't want to do any of that i will not start but like you have to understand how one thing can transfer like for example i'm like like CrossFit is a beautiful example, although the methodology and people like that's too extreme. Like I can really show you a clear line of if you can understand how to suffer in a workout, you will be better in business. If you understand how uncomfortable yeah. you can be and either it's the mental fortitude and just getting through it and jumping through it, like how do you train that? So it's not just saying one day I'm going to just, I'm going to be there. I'm going to endure this. It's little things every day, challenging yourself and making yourself be uncomfortable is what's going to make you win. The other thing is being hyper, um, hyper aware of who you are and just realizing it's okay to be you and just yeah. do it. Just be okay with it. It's like, if you, I understand, I've been there. I've, I felt so uncomfortable being in certain marketing. I was like, oh, I got to be this way. I got to wear this just to fit in. But guess what? It's tiring. It's stressful. And it, you're going to fit you're going to be like everyone else. You're going to be a sheep like everyone else. So just find what makes you happy. Find what brings you joy and then just keep doing it. Rinse and repeat and, uh, and then find that out. If you want, I can give you like uh, a epiphany that we even had during quarantine. Yeah. Love so, epiphanies. Yeah. Like, I mean, Brand Factory, we've been around for a couple of years. We've been with some pretty good players, right? So we've got to be with Vayner. We've got to be with AppSumo, if people know what that is. Like, we've yeah. done some cool stuff. But, you know, during this time in quarantine, so many people were like, oh, we got a shoulder to shoulder. We'll make it, beat it together. And I felt like when I kept seeing that beginning of COVID, I just felt like really bitter because I would, I hate seeing on LinkedIn when people that are making seven, eight figures plus tell me, like, we're going to make it together. I'm like, I'm not where you're at. Like, you're not struggling with me. We're not shoulder to shoulder. And it made me upset that they're like, oh, just find a skill. So one of the things, just because I was really just bored, and um, I was like, for 40 nights in quarantine, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take one software tool and I'm going to teach you how to build three businesses live every single night. And I'm going to stream live 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to just stream. And so I would just stream for like two and a half hours. And, and I was like, I'm going to do this for 40 days straight. Now, the reason I did it for that, because I knew most people are not that insane to commit to that kind of schedule. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I can win there. Number two, it's what I do anyway. I'm always on tech tools and always, like people always ask me about tech tools. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to document myself. But the unique part was I would do it at night. So I, would, I wouldn't compete against any of my other peers because they were doing webinars midday and yeah. no... I, I've not found, I will not say no one's doing it. I've not found someone on the Eastern Standard Time willing to do live streams at 11 o'clock in this space. So it was open. Everyone's at home bored anyway. So people would just tune in. And the whole thing was like, build, build with me. That's what it was called, build with me. And so people could just build their business live. And that one experience has helped and had more opportunities in these 40 days than I have had in one year just giving nonstop. And now we're launching four courses with other brands. And we have a whole new audience that we never would have talked to. And now people are telling us what products and services they want that in past times, I've never wanted to do a membership because I was like, this is a hot mess. I do not want to launch yeah. this. And the audience, we have people that are watching free on YouTube saying, when is your paid membership coming out so I can learn more? I've never, ever experienced that. And we're streaming for sometimes over two and a half hours. Our watch time, our retention watch time over videos are sometimes an hour and 10 minutes per. An hour and 10, which I never wow. would have imagined. I thought long form, no one would pay attention. We're, watching, we're having people watch an hour and 10 minutes of every build and watch every single episode. So, you know, just do it. Again, now you're saying like, doc, that was, you know, you just, you know, you're throwing stuff out. Well, if you look at the past, it's just every single thing that we were good at anyway, it just mashed up. And why do yeah. I stream at 11? I'm a night owl. Why are we doing this? Because people already asked me about tech anyway. Just go out and be consistent. You, I'm not guaranteeing in 40 or 30 days you're going to make money. 
you're going to have a very clear way of how people perceive you and a very clear way of what people value and what they value from you. And now you know the right path to pivot and move through time and space. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, that's incredible. And I love that you did something that was very different. You found a hole in the market. No one's streaming at 11 PM and like, yeah, doing what you're already good at and just displaying it and providing value to people. And now folks are asking and coming to you for stuff. That's incredible. And talking with Twitch because we were on Twitch, YouTube. First of all, you know, most businesses, they're like, why would you ever stream on Twitch? I was like, cause no one's streaming on Twitch in business. I'm going to do it. And, uh, we, we got noticed from Twitch. We're the number one business show on Twitch. <laughs> After no 40 days. Else, yeah. This is what yeah. I'm saying. Like no one's like hanging out. Like I was like, that's insane. Like that, that's insane. On Restream, another platform, they're like, you're in our, like, I think upper five percentile of like the most streams in a month and like the most engagement. Um, you know, like I've got to look at it because we're doing like a, a post-mortem on it because episodes 40 is on Saturday of this week. But like, I've looked at the number, I think I've streamed over like close to 90 hours in a month or something. Wow. I got to look at the numbers, but like, it tells you like, you can see the peaks and valleys. It allows you when you're putting out that much volume and it's just something that you're used to doing and it feels natural. Like, honestly, it just doesn't feel like work. It's like at first a couple times it was weird, like getting into it. But honestly, I've done so much. Like I have more content that I I can repurpose for the next year and a half because we've done so many shows in such, such a short period of time. And the yeah. show's gotten so much better because every day I'm telling my assistant, I'm like, no, we got to change the overlay. We got to do this. And it made another stream of income because now everyone wants us to be stream producers for their live shows, <laughs> which I thought they would have wanted marketing advice. And everyone's like, bro, like you, we love your stream. I feel nervous. We want you to be a stream producer. And we just made up that term. We're like, yeah, we can help you. We'll be there your safety net and we'll do PR for you. And they're like, yes, done. We want that service. There you go. So I'll stop love it. No, no, no. I mean, that's, it's gold. I love it. So that's incredible. Well, um, doc, I want to check. Do you have a hard stop? Nah, man. I'm good. Okay. Just want to double check. I'm good. Cool. Um, so doc, I want to talk a little bit about, um, personal finance a little bit. What, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you've done all these different things, services, business, how would you describe your relationship with money? <sighs> well, that's an interesting subject. And for years I would avoid it. Um, my wife says that I have severe ADHD, which might be true. I'm not sure, but I, I bring that up is because I guess they say one of the biggest things with ADHD is like scattered, but also they're terrible with money. And I can attest to that because I, for years I could make, as you can tell, I can make businesses out of that. Yeah. Excuse me. I'd be just as broke. I'd be broke as a convict by the end of the month just because I had a horrible relationship and I was afraid of financing finances for a long time and yeah. structuring. And so my relationship with money is very different than the last two years, but most of my entrepreneurial life, it was very much like onto the next thing. Let's see how much I can make very quickly. Mm -hmm. But it scared me with understanding profit and loss, taxes, all those things scared me. I always pay taxes because I'm only afraid of the IRS. <laughs> yeah. I'm only afraid of them. But understanding profit and understanding scaling business, I'd always like, I'm making this, this goes to taxes, the rest mine. I never understood operating expenses, profit, all those things. So, um, Hopefully this is giving you the right answer you're looking for, but there's no really, wrong answer. It's your yeah. relationship. <laughs> yeah. So it was really bad, but I think, um, profit first, that was the book that really taught me how to manage and structure different bank accounts. And basically looking at that way, it's, it's almost just like how taxes are taken out. Like stop looking at like, this is your money in this account. It's like, no, divvy it up in these accounts. Don't look at everything. Like just yeah. do the math every single time. So I had a really good friend who was a business partner in one of my businesses. He actually just made an Excel spreadsheet for me because he was the CFO of his company, one of his. And he's like, just plug in your numbers and it tells you, put this in profit, put this in savings, put this in your operating expenses. And like that changed the game for me because afterwards, before that, I was just always freaking out about like 
what I should do. Or I would just take out money and just stash it because I knew if I had money yeah. and like I wanted to invest, I'd be like, yeah, drop shipping. Let's make a drop shipping site like right now. Let's put this on ads. And so I only knew to like hide money from myself because I was that bad at money. Yeah. Well, let's, let's take some self-awareness too also to realize that, you, that you've got to get stuff out of, your, out of your line of sight. And I think there's a lot of people that are like that. I know I'm like that too. Like just get it out, like move it, move it into a different account. If it's in this account, it will be spent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I'm not careful. So yeah. no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So Do you, you said, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Your follow-up question will be better than what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, so your, your partner, so was, was it your partner? Like, what was it that like, had you make that shift about two years ago? Yeah. So it was the business when we were in fit, uh, fitness only. So originally he okay. was huge in fitness. I was obviously, you know, basically, so he had more of a following. He, or he basically already told me, he's like, bro, I love you. You do all of these great things. I'm running three other, three other companies. So I'll be a partner. I'll be a silent partner. I'll do all these other things, right? I'll make mm-hmm. the intros just like you run everything. So I was doing marketing. I was doing everything, everything. And with that, we discovered like just the business model didn't really make sense on right. what we were trying to offer, but it was hugely beneficial. But also he was like, listen, cause I was like, because I had to pay him. Right. So he gets yeah. a percentage every sale. And it would freak me out because I was so bad at money. I would dump into account, but I would always be investing too much in software. I wasn't paying myself because I was a teacher at a time at a community college. So all of that money, it was just doing all these other things. Forgot to mention that I was doing that at the time. But anyway, so (laughs) that happened. uh, Yeah, another thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when I was doing that, it was just like, what am I going to do? And he's like, listen, it's okay. He's like, open up five accounts read this book. And I hate reading finance books. Like I hate them so much. And he's like, I was like, so I just watched the creative live class on the book. I'm like, my God, like, why am I going to read this? And he gave me a Google spreadsheet. He's like, this is what the book said. I was like, yeah, well, why doesn't this guy just start selling Google sheets? I'm like, ain't nobody want to read this 400 page book to tell me (laughs) these calculations without anyway. So he's like, just do this. And that's what changed it. And I was like, oh, that's what I do. I duplicated that for every single business. And I was like, yeah, now I know how to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like you're really good with with like systems and processes. Like you can implement, you can take action. Like that framework is, is what you're also trying to create. It sounds like with the micro content, but in general, like things that are difficult, it sounds like that's something that you connect with and is part of the reason maybe why you, why you're focused on that for others as well. Yeah. I mean, because that's the whole thing. If I, Templates and frameworks, like there's a guy named Aaron Fletcher, which I really like. I really like his stuff. And Aaron's done, I don't even get an affiliate from him, but I love this man. So Aaron (laughs) Fletcher, he basically did the Fletcher method where he developed how he teaches businesses by a three by three model. And that's because he used to be a, um, used to be in the military and he used to um, basically defuse bombs. And he was talking about that if you did this, Everyone had a three by three of getting what you needed to get done. It was three by three. It was three steps in one level. It was three levels. Boom, 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 boom. And he's like, that, if you understand that, he's like, that's the easiest for people to understand. Level one has three steps. And so it's gamifying and they can literally see where they are in the process when they're going through this framework for their, for them to have success. And like that resonated with me. I was like, yes. I can do that. Like I can. And so taking that, I don't always go by three by three, but I was like, I, I can level up anyone to do that. But it also spurs them to action because it's not this long book. It's not this long. It's, it's one sheet. It's a one pager. Look at what you need to do. It helps you to remember, go do that one goal. And when you're done with that one goal, go to the next one. Do not go, do not look at that whole thing. You know where you are in this map. And that's how I think I've been able to level up and do what I want in marketing, but also teach people really clearly. I think people get in their own way, finances too. But like, I can't yeah. tell you how many times like people tell me like, I want to start a business and they'll watch on stream and I'll pull them up and I'm like, okay, and I'll call them by name. And I'm like, listen, do this right now. And it's the accountability because everyone's watching yeah. on stream. I'm like, dude, I'm serious. And they'll do it. Like, 
one last example. Last week, someone was talking about podcasting. They're like, I'll never do it. They're like, I've had this blue Yeti here at my desk for five years. It's got dust. And I said, stop talking and open the box and hook it up to your laptop. And they're like, but it's got dust. I was like, open the box. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And they did. And they're like, oh, this is great. And I sound great. I was like, yeah, let's keep doing this. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yeah. But it's actionable versus me just like, just do it. Just do whatever you want. Start that podcast. Me telling that person to start the podcast is too far. They just need to hook up their USB mic. Then let's talk about the next thing. Like people need it that simple. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I, I, I definitely see that. I mean, make it so easy that, that like, oh, well, now this is hooked up. Like that wasn't too hard. What's the next? I, I love it. I love it. The little micro steps. And uh, yeah. So what do you think is um, the best investment you've made, Doc? Ooh. 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 Um, best investment. Hmm. That was unexpected. I've never been asked that question. Um, <laughs> Best investment. Okay. I can, in me, it's a couple different tiers. Um, best investment is to, number one, I'm going to say best investment was time. Me learning how everything was and I didn't outsource it initially. The reason I say that is I've been with a lot of marketers that have done ads and everything. And I've been in situations where I'm like, hey, I'm going to have you run ads. And because I didn't understand it, I didn't know it. They just told me a bunch of foolishness that wasn't true. And Unless I had the investment of learning and going through all the steps, yeah, I, I wouldn't have known and I would have been still taken advantage of. So investment of actually learning the craft and learning what I want to do. The second investment is, I'm just going to say it. I love Creative Live. Creative Live has really, yeah. um, I mean, I've paid them so much over time, but like, honestly, that's how I got my first ESPN gig by watching someone how to do PR. And then I did it. Um, so that platform. I love everything that Chase Jarvis does. And uh, he's just awesome. Um, the best course that I've ever bought is Mark Echo's course based on his book. And it's a Skillshare class like eight years ago, maybe five years. Ago. I don't even remember. Time's just moving weird. But um, <laughs> excuse me. I think that's my I, like investment. And I think course like that's the best investment course. The best book I've ever invested in, Creativity Inc the story of Pixar and all of those things. Um, and uh, best investment, like physical things, my massage table and my turntables, because that is whenever I was broke or whatever I could do, I could always call someone up and I could always get a gig. And that investment with turntables, like at the time, like $1,500 was a big investment for a 12 year old. Yeah. But I worked at my mom, I worked at Allstate Insurance for a year to, I don't even think that's legal, but I worked there <laughs> as just doing files and entering policies. I know as I'm saying that, I know that's not legal, but <laughs> they, 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 I just worked there and that's how I paid for my stuff. Um, so that's how I invested in my turntables. And then when I left high school, my graduation money, I bought my massage table because I knew I was gonna do this. And then I've made 10X, whatever that price was, because I use those things to this day. So it has been over yeah. how many years? Um, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm no. not sure if that's the right thing, which direction you're going in, but that's what There's I'm thinking a, about. No, no wrong answer to that. Some people it's time you hit all of them. I think, I think you hit all the different types of investments <laughs> you can make. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, and then the last thing for me, like, Money, I, I'm not, maybe it's just not, maybe they're like, well, doc, you can't say money first because it's never been a strong point for you. I'm like, true, true. <laughs> I haven't invested in a very good company yet. Uh, but I'm really interested in the space of micro lending just because I'm really passionate with ones in different third world countries, um, just having the resources. So it's not really looking at like, I'm oh, making this much back. I'm just really interested in providing opportunities. Like even my VA in the Philippines, like, um, I, I invest in his whole setup because he wants to be gaming and move forward into um, that space and he couldn't afford certain things. So even when we're going through, I, I like him and he does great. So even if it's in form of a bonus that I get, I will put money into ones that I work with to make sure that I invest back into people. So I'm not 
extremely rich. I'm not really that rich, but I, I, to me, it's just like, how can I improve people? How can I be in a good ecosystem and feel good? And, um, you know, I think that's, you asked a question earlier, like moving time and space, it's micro content to help people. And, um, I just want to be comfortable in helping others and not worrying about finances to the point where I can help others. And, uh, we have a super lean budget. Like if, if you're seeing it, I converted half my house to be apartments so that could sublease. Uh, I keep everything really super lean to make sure that we cover um, bills so that way we don't have large overheads so we can do what we want. Yeah. No, that's smart. I love that. Yeah. Investing in people I think is huge. So I think that's, you know, incredible that you bonuses and things like that and help, uh, help even, you know, VA that a lot of folks might not necessarily do something like that. I think that's, that's uh, incredible. Cool. So last thing I got for you, doc, what's the biggest challenge you think facing everyday Americans when it comes to finances? Ooh, I really think it's again, maybe I'm biased. I think it's just structure of learning how to save or a a methodology to get them, get them to where they want to be. Like, I think like, let's be honest. So I used to do, so physical therapy, I used to do a lot of physical therapy. I used to do home health. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how many trailers that I've been in. I'm telling you the trailer is dilapidated. I've been in trailers where it's being literally held up by two by fours to keep the trailer together. But they have a satellite and they have a 50 inch TV. It's a lot of times it's not priorities. Someone's not teaching them how to do it. It's not that they don't want to, they're just in bad habits. So I think a lot of times it's, teaching education with practicality how every person could do it every day and learning yeah. how to do those things so i don't think i think that's the biggest challenge i think that's okay. the biggest challenge yeah no it's i, I like that it, it ties in it makes a lot of sense yeah. Doc, like, they, well, one last thing yeah, yeah everyone can afford netflix everyone finds a way even if they borrow a password from someone like <laughs> everyone finds a way to do what they want I see these kids with the newest iPhone. Like there are ways for people to get what they want, but it's easy because it's instantaneous and they're making you to have these payment plans and it's marketing. But very few entities have the passion or the drive to teach people unsexy things like saving and practicality. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to sell someone on, hey, don't go spend your money versus, hey, go buy the shiny new thing. A lot harder sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate, but that, I think that's yeah. just the issue. That's what's happening. Well, Doc, this was a lot of fun. I, uh, I want to give you the floor. If there's anything that you want to leave the audience with, how can people connect with you, support what you're doing, if they're interested in working with you at Brand Factory, all that sort of stuff, and uh, leave you with the last word. Cool. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, you can go to brandfactorinc.com. I'm there. Um, you can fill out an assessment to see how you're doing. Uh, you can find the three-path assessment. If you, that's a free assessment. So we give that to everyone because we think that we should empower everyone to um, know their, um, their personality to create content. There's the Gary V Content Model 2.0. We released a, a free course that walks you through the exact model. All you have to do is execute. Um, so you can do that. Um, find me there. I'm on the most responsive I'm on is Twitter. So underscore doc Williams, D O C Williams. I talk to everyone. And, uh, if you want to see the nightly builds or see the past episodes, um, we're releasing the last nightly show. We're going to go to a weekly format. Uh, <laughs> a little <laughs> more sustainable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone get we're like, Oh, this would be nice. Yeah. Not seven days. Uh, so we're doing that. It just go to build with doc, build with doc D O C dot com. You'll go there and uh, you don't even have to sign up. Like it's, I did this as a passion project. You do not need to sign up for like any opt-ins. You can watch all of it. It's just chronological. So there's everything there to consume the content and uh, you know, let me know if I can help and we go from there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, doc. This was uh, a a lot of fun. I appreciate you making the time and uh, sharing uh, your wisdom with us. So no worries, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that concludes today's episode of the Silicon Alley podcast with Doc Williams. What I love about Doc is that he's focused on not just giving the, you know, motivation and the hype, but actually 
holding people accountable and saying, hey, here's exactly what you need to do, right? The example of uh, on his live stream, how there was the listener on there who had not, had been talking about podcasting and just had not plugged in his microphone for three years. And Doc was like, pull it out, plug it in right now. And uh, just take the first step. Don't worry about figuring out how to host it. What are you going to talk about? The name of the podcast. Just plug it in. Plug the mic in. How does it sound? And just taking those little baby steps. And I think that's something that when you think about creating a business these days with websites and marketing and social media and all this before you've even figured out a product and all that other stuff, there's just so much that you can and should be doing. But realistically, you just got to take one step at a time. So I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Doc Williams. I'm William Glass. Please make sure to support the podcast. You can actually donate if you're really liking the content. It means a lot. helps us create high-quality content and, of course, attract more awesome guests like Doc. So please, if you, if you have it in you, please go ahead, go down to the bottom of the, of the show notes and subscribe. Be a monthly supporter of the podcast. If not, I still love you. And I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich and, of course, your host of the Silicon Alley Podcast, I'll see you again on Friday. Thanks so much. Special thanks to Brett Miller for providing his song Million Voices as the theme music to this podcast. Special thanks to Carolina Gancars for help directing. And thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or future guests to appear on the Silicon Alley podcast, follow us on social media and shoot us a message at Silicon Alley podcast on all the socials. Twitter, it's at Silicon Alley pod. Thanks so much for listening. This is a Financial Glass production. New episodes every Friday. You know that feeling of perfectly timing the stock market, making millions of dollars, getting paid what you're worth and having your boss appreciate you? Yeah, neither do we. It seems like everyone else gets a cut of your hard-earned money before you do. Well, don't worry. At Ostrich, we are changing all that. Ostrich is a mobile app that helps you easily set and track your money goals. Joining the Ostrich flock means you'll be surrounded by others who also want you to be wealthy and happy. The best part is Ostrich is free. Sign up for Ostrich at getostrich.com and join the flock today.